The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. We feature guests of varying backgrounds and lived experiences to share their empowering stories, knowledge, and insights. Our goal is for you, the listener, to fill your mind with empowering content to further empower your human. I'm your host, Inkeaching Waffle Robinson, and founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, Inc. I'm an award-winning technology executive, having been awarded Most Powerful Women in Canada Top 100 by the Women's Executive Network, WXM, in 2020. But that's not all. I'm a proud author, an International Federation of Bodybuilding Pro Athlete, an inspirational speaker, and viral sensation with speeches that have been viewed over 10 million times worldwide. I trust that you are already feeling empowered. So please listen, leave a review, share the podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes! Oh my gosh, I bet you've been waiting for this moment. It is the first episode of season four. (laughs) I'm so excited. Who would have thought season four? Oh my gosh. And I am back with a guest who I love so dearly. A guest, a friend, a sister friend. Oh my God, a spiritual friend, sister, everything. She has changed my life. She's helped me evolve as a human um, and love her dearly. So with no further ado, let me, let me just, let me give you a little bit of a clue as to who she is. She is a human behavior enthusiast. That's for sure. Helping overwhelm people who are overcommitted and distracted. She's a podcaster and an international speaker who addresses capacity management. Through her structures and frameworks, she reveals how our addition to, attra- addition to attraction is literally breaking down our bodies. Addiction to distraction is literally breaking down our bodies. Her research and trademark tools have helped tens of thousands in managing their personal capacity while staying out of burnout and doing more of what they love. For many years, she's been engaging and shifting the perspectives of her audiences in the classrooms, boardrooms, and conference rooms. A TEDx speaker, she designs custom talks and virtual series to serve her clients. She's also an experienced lead facilitator for national conferences, as well as an MC for various events. Woo! Play the soul! As we talk about capacity. She's worked with large Canadian banks. Hey! Shout out! Smile! And, and there are multiple divisions through speaking and team capacity programs. Other clients range from packaged goods to pharma to tech companies. She's developed a tool called the Ego Cake, which is my initial introduction to her. And this is a framework intended to guide people through discovery of their personal capacity and ultimately how to respect it. So, listeners, friends, family out there, put your ears, your hands, everything. Give her a warm welcome to the Empowered My Skin podcast, Melanie Saka. Like vodka. <laughs> oh my God, I feel like I've just been introduced into the stadium of people. I love it. I feel hey, like glorious. Yeah, you gotta do your thing. You gotta do your thing. Oh my gosh, Mel, it is. It is so. I, we were actually saying a little bit in our um, B-roll that I look forward to this experience because you know your environment matters, and just to know that I was going to be winding down my day with time with Melanie 
just like filled my heart, my smile, my energy, like everything. Like this is a beautiful and I'm very, very privileged to have this opportunity to share some energy with you. Oh, thank you. And likewise, like I was just, I just filmed a little bit to like get my listeners and my followers to know what was upcoming. I told my kids before leaving the house <laughs> and they were excited that I was coming to talk to Ink. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure. I love it. Six years and counting for sure. So we want to, we, you know, I really want to bring you on to talk about what I, what I believe is so necessary, especially in this, in this day and age. I'm very excited to get into this topic about the hustle culture. You know, you and I have had some interesting dialogue about this. And this is just a great opportunity to pick your, pick your brain, understand some of the research that you're doing, what you're hearing from your clients and this, that, and the other, and see how we can really help and empower people forward. So, as you know, right now the world continues to be shaped and evolved in ways in which it operates. You know, many persons have sought to maximize their full potential. We hear that all the time. I say it. You know, I want to live my fullest, truest expression of myself as a human being. And one of the ways in which, you know, we've sought to do this is to adopt or explore the grind or that hustle mindset. Like you just got to keep moving, got to keep pressing forward. You got no time off. You know, I've done it. I've said those words myself. So how would you like, how do you define this? First of all, before you even talk about, you know, whether it's good or not good or healthy or how do we, but how do you describe the grind? Like what, what do you, what, how do you describe that? Yeah. And we've really glorified the grind for sure. And I think it's like, it's going at full speed, you know, at all costs all the time to achieve. And when we think about what achievement means, it means something different to all of us. Right. And I think it's, it's also a social construct. It's a construct of our own minds, but really like what achievement are we actually after and why are we running so hard, so fast for so long mm. at something like, and, you know, so we're going to talk a little bit about, about that and we'll deconstruct it, but you know, hustle is really known to be short sprints, mm-hmm. not in long duration, because this is where we get into burnout territory. This is where we get into people being like really severely depleted mm-hmm. and really unhappy. And so how do we, how do we leverage hustle in a, a productive way? How do we, you know, reintroduce that in a productive way that doesn't actually kill us slowly? And what's your, what's like, what's the passion behind it? Like, where did it come from? You know, you know, and yeah. how long have you sort of been like, I really want to, I want to get in on this topic deep. So I got curious about it. I, I mean, it's not that long ago. It was just, it was always it was always in my core because I, in my twenties, I would work 14, 16 hours. Mm -hmm. I didn't have kids. You know, it was, I was free to do what I want. I was in corporate. Um, that was just the norm. Like after hours, after the nine to five, you would just kind of work in the boardroom, you'd order dinner. And that was where you made those social connections. So we didn't really call it hustle back then, but in my thirties, um, hustle was like beginning to become a really hot thing where it was entrepreneurial. The entrepreneurialism was, was rising. You had the Gary Vaynerchuk's, you had the, the dragon's den, you had all of these influences externally that were really pushing people to like sleep when you're dead, you know, don't <laughs> let people see you sweat, like fake it till you make it. And all of these things that were driving this culture to like, just go after at all costs. And so, you know, it also led to burnout. And so when I reverse engineer the burnout, it really comes back to the same root cause. And it was, I was hustling because that's what I was taught to do. That's what I was told to do. That's what I was expected to do. And so I started to get curious. I'm like, 
where, how does, how did this come up? Like, how does this exist? And is it, is it getting bigger? Is it getting stronger or, you know, are we really pushing back and are we weakening that hustle culture? Wow. So are you loving the research that you're doing? I am. I find it really interesting because the more people I talk to, because I have a podcast called Hustle Hypocrisy, and I've been really curious about let's demystify what the hustle culture looks like. Let's find and identify the the hypocrisy in it mm-hmm. um, to really understand how can we use hustle again in a productive way. If you think about sports, I mean, and you're an athlete, you know, you think about hustle is meant to be in short sprints. I was an athlete as a basketball player, and when you're on the court, mm-hmm. it's a short duration and then you rest and recover well that you know that's that's true hustle when you're not recovering and you're not planning that that, you know that rest that restorative or that post game or that post workout routine um you're not you're not engaging in a productive healthy hustle no not at all and and so that's the point of burnout Yeah, I think like that's where we, you know, we see people just depleted. We see people, you know, just chasing the, the, you know, chasing the achievement, but it's ill-defined. It's not really well-defined. And so really looking at how do we implement that pregame routine, postgame routine, right? You get that. I I, I laugh because I remember when we got into COVID and, and, um, uh, you know, the Julie had come up, our friend, our friend, we have a mutual friend in Julie Black, and uh, she'd come up with better, not bitter. And I remember, mm. like, to me, that meant better, not bitter. Okay, what can I do to be better? And then I also listened to this thing about uh, functional speed. And functional speed is where, you know, you're using the time that you have now so that when, you know, when everything opens up, you're just ready to hit the gates ready. And I went and went and went hard. And, you know, I, I was doing a weekly podcast and then all of a sudden everyone is home. So like, okay, I can interview way more people. And so then I was doing, you know, two episodes a week and that meant I had to edit and all, and my team is engaged. And then I also have a full-time job. And, and now, you know, working at home, you tend to work way more hours, you know, like there was probably until I actually got sick. You know, that's mm-hmm. what happened, you know? And so there's like, there's this, have you come across like high performing hustlers that, you know, <laughs> they're, they're in burnout, but they don't actually know they're in burnout and they're still pressing through. It almost feels like an oxymoron when you put high performing hustlers. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I still have to, to really research that, but you know, I study capacity yeah. as well. And when you, you know, you, you mix in capacity management with burnout and with hustle, I think you get an interesting, you, know, you get an interesting slew of topics really. And I think in terms of preserving capacity, you know, someone asked me like, what is capacity management? Like, how do you actually build more capacity? And I was like, you actually don't build it. It's a process of subtracting so that you can grow your capacity. Right. And, and, you know, even in mathematics, like <laughs> you need to, you need to understand subtraction so that you can add. I mean, yes. it's, it's a whole thing that, that we're taught in school. So really understanding, you know, high functioning people really manage their capacity well. And again, I turn to athletes because it's like the thing that we see that's successful. Do we Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard was when he played for the Raptors, you know, he came out with this term or maybe his, his people did around him with load management mm. and load management was about when do you sit out strategically so you can preserve the bandwidth for the things that matter most, mm. you know, what is your pregame routine? What does your post recovery routine look like so that you can optimize your energy so that you can be 
a high performer and you can't hustle when it matters most. You can't hustle all the time, every day for long durations. So really understanding what that looks like to preserve the capacity to hustle when you need to, to avoid burnout. Ooh, and I love, you know, it's so funny because you and I sat down in an interview and the way, the way you just broke it down now, it's like from that time that we met, I've even like, I made sure that I planned for rest. Like, you know what I mean? Like tomorrow is like when I log off work, there's nobody coming into, there's nothing coming into my, I haven't booked anything. It's just me and whatever I feel to do that feels, that brings me peace, you know? Um, Because I realized that, you know, unless of course you actually plan for those rests, then you are almost typically on the go all the time. And I love the way you just broke it down. Like there's nothing wrong with the hustle, but it's back to what you explained, like when you're, and especially now, or when you're running, you're hustling, you're hustling for a period of time. There's a period of time when you're in full sprint and then there's the slowdown and then slowly you're back into a slow jog and you don't just necessarily start to sprint again. There's rest if, if anything. Yeah. So I really love that. It's like scheduling the periods and times for hustle that, that this is now we've been, we've had evolutions of this discussion because I was like, yeah, I believe in the hustle culture. I like totally bought into it, but I, and I like the fact that you my one of my questions I really want you to explain for the listeners because you do capacity management, what's the real difference between like, how do you truly you know, differentiate the two between the hustle mentality and creating capacity and knowing that you you're creating capacity in your life? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, One that I continue to explore, but I really, when I look at hustle, I think it's like a a period of time and time is not equal to capacity, right? Like when you're hustling, um, you're hustling to beat the clock. You're hustling to put in all the hours. You're hustling to make it, you know, to have something done by a certain time. Whereas capacity is all about you know, emotional, intellectual, physical capacity. Like you and I know both, just because we have eight hours in a day to accomplish something, we don't necessarily have the emotional capacity or the intellectual capacity to complete the things that are scheduled in that eight hour day. And I think we forget that, you know, some things require more energy than others. So it's like, you know, when you, when you have a team meeting and you have these outcomes and they're like, yeah, can you have that by the end of the day? And you're like, Oh my God, like I can't, I can't write, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is, I can't create, you know, a document for tomorrow, or I can't send that email because I have to think about it and I'm exhausted. So I think again, you know, the overbooking syndrome comes into, you know, sometimes on the weekends, we have a couple of hours and friends ask us to do things. We're like, yeah, I can be there. And Saturday shows up and you're like, I have zero capacity, like zero emotional capacity to be with that person today. And I think hustle coming back to your question is really about time mm-hmm. and capacity is really about that holistic, emotional, intellectual, and physical. And I love energy. that you brought that in even because I, I realize, and I say it every single day, I ask for the energy that I need. Now I ask for the energy that I need to get the things I need to do done today because energy is a fight. We have a finite amount of energy every day. Right. And when we don't realize right. that and we just keep going and keep pushing, um, then yes, I think at some point or other, we just, we crash, you know, and that doesn't, that never feels good. But if you can realize that you have a finite amount of energy every day, then I think you'll put better boundaries around, you know, where, wh- what's the time of the day you're going to expend that energy. And then on the either side of it, that's 
what it, that would be like your time or, or the time where you, you rest and you repose. What, what do you think about that? I 100% agree with that. And I'm glad you brought in boundaries because I think if we don't have boundaries, then that finite amount of energy gets depleted quickly with distractions and multitasking, which is another big area that I love to study too, right? And, you know, I think people, if they've seen the TEDx or if they've heard me speak about this before, I mean, like we are distracted every eight minutes of the day. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it's just the attention span that we have now for, if we're not disciplined, that is just kind of what we let ourselves, how we let ourselves be distracted. And so it takes us a lot longer to get back into that, that zone of genius as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think the boundaries are huge to really preserve the energy we need to prioritize because overwhelm will, you know, (laughs) seep in and, your day is shot now. Like yeah. you're at the mercy of everybody else's requests. You're at the mercy of your energy. You're at the mercy of the easy things. And it's almost like sugar cravings, mm. you know, like it's like we go for like those quick fixes to like those adrenaline hits to keep us going, the coffee, the sugar, whatever it is, you know, the same thing is we'll, we'll look for those tasks that will give us those hits of energy mm-hmm. um, yet aren't good for us at all. So a little personal question for you, because sure. I know, so as you've been doing this research, and I know because I, I, I feel like I, I, you know, you, I know you have, you've, you've, you've done an inner look as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as doing the research, what's the biggest thing that has actually changed for you as a result? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, that I, I am not as disciplined as I thought I was. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say that I'm also very well trained in multitasking. And even though the research has talk revealed about that, that. Talk about there's no such thing as I, Yeah, I mean, multitasking makes us dumb. Like that's what the research reveals. It lowers our IQ, right? And, but I have trained myself to multitask. And so I have to deprogram that. So I've done that inner look to say, oh my gosh, like I need to stay disciplined. Like that phone goes on silent. Um, I have to write a list out. And, and the other thing too, Inkichi too, I think that, is really proven to be beneficial is the power of three. Like I am focused on three projects at once and that is it. So right now, like on my home screen for my phone, it it's book podcast and my research. Those are the three things, anything else that I get asked to do or that comes into play that looks sexy, that looks mm-hmm. fun is a hard no. So I have to ask it's you a question. Hard. I love yeah. that. The power of three. That's yeah. great. So I'm somebody now that wants to adopt that, but I have a full-time job and I have, I have kids. So are they out of the three? Are they part of the power of three? Because so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I love that you brought this up, but I really want to break it down for somebody who's listening to this. This is an addition to all those other responsibilities. You're a hundred percent right. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's how we manage that, you know, how we compartmentalize, I think our time as well. So I am a mom of two. I have, I am a full-time professor for, you know, for college here in Niagara, Ontario, and I also have a business. And so the business can take, you know, 10 different avenues if I let it Mm. and I could be, you know, try and be everything to everyone. But 
I have to limit those things to the three. Okay. Now, as a professor, that's buttoned down. I worked hard. I, you know, I have what I, what it takes to show up and do really well and serve my students. As a mom, I have that schedule. So it takes a lot of discipline. I'm not a disciplined person by nature either. So I have to work my butt off to remain disciplined, to create those boundaries, to stay scheduled. And I hate being scheduled. It feels so constrictive to me. Mm-hmm. But we have to do that. Yeah. If we have these goals, we have to re- remain disciplined. Discipline isn't sexy. No. It's not. No, like, I, I know it. Yeah. But I also believe it's currency. I think yeah. it's probably one of the best things that I, I thank my parents for it. Cause I, you know, that's definitely from my upbringing. So I love, so again, back to this power of three, because I think as you're explaining it, let's just say there's somebody out there who's listening, who doesn't necessarily have a, like a side business. So how could they, how could they affect this power of three, say at, in their, in their, in their, in their job, in their career or in their, in motherhood or parenthood? Like how could they, how can we, how can we use that? Yeah, I think creating um, a structure for yourself in terms of, you know, what are the the three goals that that you have, right? What are the three goals or even the, let's go, let's go even, let's go back one more step. What are the three roles that you play in your life? Mm-hmm. I do this with my clients. So if you were to create a bit of a matrix, so the first column would be roles. So I am a professor, I'm a mom, and I am an entrepreneur. Those would be the three roles that I play. Now for each of them, I would put one goal. And I would be like, this is a smart goal, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Put a smart goal to that. And then at the end, what are the controls? That's the third column. And the controls are the boundaries. They are the metrics. They are the things that are going to hold you accountable and tell you if you've been successful or not. So I think, you know, if, if, yeah, if you, you don't have, you know, 18 jobs like we do, um, you just like, there's different roles that we play in our I lives like and that. maybe. Maybe you're a caregiver, you know, that's one role. Maybe you have parents that you need to aging parents um, and you're a professional and, and maybe there's a volunteer who knows it could be a best friend to somebody, whatever those roles are, just look at your top three. doesn't mean to ignore the next four or five, but set goals for them mm-hmm. and, you know, revisit them. I think that's a helpful structure. I Love it. And and this is like, I'm totally digressing here because I'm hoping that anyone that's listening to this actually sits down and does that exercise. There's such a value in doing some of the self-work, but unfortunately I do believe a lot of us do not make time to do it, you know? Um, But I love what, I love what she just broke down. And I think all of us deserve for, you know, just to take a moment and really figure out what are the roles that I play in my life and what are the goals? Like, what are those objectives? What are those things that I want to, because you'll start to feel accomplished. And, and I think there's nothing better than ending a year feeling, knowing what you accomplished in the year, things that you set out to do. Anyway, that was a, was a little digression. I, I, this is why I love talking. We can just go in so many different ways. So one of the questions that, you know, my, my, um, we put together for you is one of the hustle aspects of the hustle mentality encourages people that they can have it all. And you, you know, we haven't really touched on that yet. So what does Melanie believe? Do you believe that we can have it all? And what does that even mean anyway? Oh my God. I feel like that's just like the carrot dangling, you know, have it all. Like what is having it all mean anyways? Like if you were to really look at it and, and I think I want to challenge that and ask another question, which is, you know, what is enough? So in my inner work, 
what is enough has been a question that I have pondered. And then when, when I can define that, that's when I feel like I, I have what I need. I think having it all is this, and again, it could be what era you, you, you know, you grew up in where you grew up, but you know, how was it defined? How did society define that? Mm-hmm. Having it all seems like a, a myth. Yeah. It, 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 feels, really un- it feels unattainable. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily feel like a happy space for me. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't even sound great. It's like, you know, people looking like you have it all. And it's like, no, because you mean? can't have yeah. stuff without hardship. But it's a know? real thing though. Yeah. I, I've been asked on the on panels, like, it looks like you have it all. Like, how do you do it all? How do you do it all more so they ask? And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't pretend to say I'm doing it all, you know? But yeah. um, that, that you bring up a very interesting, I think when you, when you said, you know, you think about enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What that, is enough? What is like, enough though? Well, I mean, I had to look at my life too and be like, what is enough? You know, we're taught, okay, depending again, how you're, you're raised, like pay off your mortgage, make sure you save enough money for retirement. You go through this list. I'm like, okay, that just sounds like a really big, overwhelming list of things to do, mm-hmm. but like having enough meant I had to take a deeper look. And for me, it was freedom. Like mm-hmm. what does freedom look like for me? Mm-hmm. Freedom means like when my kids leave the house and they're independent, am I free financially, mm. uh, you know, career-wise to go and meet them wherever they are to help them. Like that's what freedom meant for me. Um, and, and that's what drives me is like, if I, if I could have an enriching life where I could be there for my kids, that's enough. That's enough for yeah. me. And I, I'm glad that you said it because I, right away I was like, well, I wouldn't go to anything material. I would really go to something that's very spiritual. That's yeah. very North starish you know, that's like, like peace or, you know, mm. something that constantly. So in, in the wake of adversity, I know that I'm, st- I know that there's a journey to peace, like for continual peace in my life. And, and I yeah. know that this too shall pass, like, you know, and so I love that you said that I, I, that, that feels more meaningful. And if that exists and that's present, then that's yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. I just think we're like back to the whole hustle thing. It's like just chasing these constructs that don't belong to us. And I think we're so overloaded and overwhelmed by what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I love social media for the fact that there's this other, you know, there's these other people that are showing us like our bodies can look like this and that's okay. We can do this and it be okay. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of like just challenging those Mm -hmm. social norms. Yeah. And I I think it's actually giving people space to, you know, feel yeah. okay with where they are and, and sure. not stay there, but, but, you know, finally not yeah. be beating themselves up for where they are. So, so tell me in all of the research that you're doing, have you found that the hustle mindset is more prevalent to any one generation or age group? Like, is it dying or is it increasing and, and, or different types of people? Yeah, I think, again, depending on what era you grew up in, I'm 44. So again, in my 20s, we didn't call it hustle. Mm. Like, you know, it was like, it was just, the, it was just the norm. It was just kind of you worked 14 hours, you were the first to arrive last mm. to leave, like that was hustle, but not called that. So our parents, our parents, because I'm, I'm six years ahead of you. So our parents were not, they didn't think hustle. 
I don't think so. No, it wasn't there. Um, but it was born like in the seventies. So I'm still doing a lot of research on this too. And, you know, we hear it in music. You and I have talked about it too. (laughs) You know, there's certain genres of music that like push hustle and talk about it and glorify it and what it means. And I think again, culturally, it means different things. I mean, like in, in certain culture, hustle means like you have to, this is survival. Like you have to hustle to survive. And I think we have to be very careful with that because, that shouldn't like I don't believe that should be a reality, but yeah. it is. I, you know, when you said that, I thought about communities. There's a lot yeah. of communities where that's the culture of the community. Absolutely, absolutely, and then it just starts to infiltrate, and then it becomes this expectation. And you know, like again, hustle is is defined by. And I'll just tell your listeners a quick story. And and this is where a lot of this is born from too. You know, we have these origin stories that really spawn our curiosity or like peak our curiosity. And, and for me, when I left corporate, I left because there was a moment in time where I had won this award. And when, before I had gone up to receive the award, they read out these nomination scripts, right? The people write up and, and in this script, you know, were things like, first to arrive, last to leave, sacrifices family, is here on weekends, takes care of her team, sits on a multiple task force. Like, I was like, this is, this is how we're defining success. Like this is, this is what we want people to aim for, to win this award. No, thank you. Because I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. I would rather be like sick than come to work. Like mm-hmm. this is not good for anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So I left shortly after that, but I just remember that moment in time. Where I'm like, something doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Like I, I can't, I can't be rewarded for hustling like this to the detriment of my health. So it's funny I early, very early, you talked about how this has kind of come recently where you've been looking at this, but that I know is some time ago. And I think your journey started then. You're right. You know, it's just culminated to what it is now where you now are live with a podcast and, and you're being more intentional, but I think you've been working on this since then. And so we thank you because we're all being gifted from, from, from this desire and passion you have to not, for that not to be a glorified way that people get awards, you know? So I I appreciate that. that. Very powerful. Wow. Thank you. So what is one interesting finding from the research, um, that you found that you have come across, um, which we haven't covered, but you feels really important to bring into the space. To observe and really listen to the language we use. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we say things like, um, you, you can sleep later, like you can sleep when you're dead or you can fake it till you make it, but make sure you get eight hours of sleep so that you can perform well the next day. Um, you know, make sure that you, you go after your goals at all costs. They're your goals. You can be anything, but make sure you're intentional and you sit, take the time to sit down. Like, I think the hypocrisy and all of that is just, again, this one thing that I'm like so fascinated by in terms of like the different things that we're told, the things we subscribe to that are just contrasting. Mm. And I think people are confused um, and, and they're burnt out. And I will say, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I've mentioned him before, but um, he was a huge, he was like the poster child for hustle. Mm-hmm. And in the last five years, I would say the message has toned down. I think 
people are realizing that the hustle culture is burning people out. And I think the pandemic really, you know, mm-hmm. took the covers off this thing and really revealed what it was doing to people. So the pandemic has been an interesting, um, you know, an, an interesting mix to all of this and observing what was really going on and, and how they just basically revealed um, people are people are done. Like this is, this is not a way of living. And we see the great resignation now because of some of this hustle culture as well, or people are like, this is not for me. I have a life to live. Wow. I have a life to live. Oh my gosh. Well, before I let you go, I, you know, always do my rapid thrivers. um, And then we'll find out where we can find out more about you. So, you know, um, when you think of someone now um, that, that impact, that, influences you that motivates you who comes first to mind and why wow um there's i was just flooded like i don't know if it's because you're sitting in front of me but like you have always inspired me like you were the first you were one of the first to like invite me up on a stage to share my message with people you deserved uh, well, deserve it or not, like, you were the one who helped facilitate that and who believed in it. And, you know, there's there's a funny story that we won't go through, but like, you're just the one who just said, yeah, sure, come on up, share it with, with my community. And I was like, really? And I did. So, you know what? I'm going to pick you because oh, you've been well, instrumental. The first with the You've been Thank instrumental you. in this journey. And I'm so grateful oh, for that. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, Melanie does this great thing about the resignation. And uh, if if there's anything on this, in this episode, that, you know, these 30 minutes that Mel and I have talked about this hustle mindset and you've gone it and you've seen where in your life you have an opportunity to, you know, to maybe introduce short sprints and more rest and create, you know, focus on creating capacity in your life. Then, you know, think about what you need to resign from in order for that to be able to happen. That was one of the biggest gifts that she's giving me. And you don't just resign once. I think we've resigned from something every single year since I met you. <laughs> but it is so, it is honestly, it is so freeing and write your resignation letter. You know, it's very powerful and that you've given me that and more. So, um, so I'm going to go, what, what is a, what is a, an activity, a daily activity that helps you, you know, maintain your thrive. Mm, uh, writing. So just writing and, and just creating is something that I love to do. And, and just allows me to just, yeah, feel alive and, and feel like I can add value and, and help people. I love it. Can you share your book name or do we have to wait? Ah, I don't have a book name yet, okay. but um, it's coming. Okay. It's coming August, 2022. Oh, wow. You um, put a date on. Oh, wow. Okay. I did. And dare I say, I have to hustle to get it done. <laughs> no, <I did>. Well, <laughs> short, short sprints. Exactly. Short sprints. I yeah. love it. What is, what is a book that has helped you with your thrive? Oh my gosh. One of the first books I read, I didn't even know how impactful it would be until later was uh, one of Robin Sharma's book. It was good to great. No, sorry. The greatness guide. Sorry. The greatness guide. And it was one of those books where I was like, Whoa. And it's funny because like 12 years later, I, I hired a coach to help get this book out of me. And he's like, I don't know if you've read this book, but like, it's maybe you want to look at it and maybe like look to get inspiration. He's called the greatness guide. And I'm like, Oh my God, like another moment, right? It's on my bookshelf. It's like marked and tabbed. And so, you know, that uh, I would say like, yeah, the greatness guide. I like that. It's the, first, it's the first time it's been mentioned here. So I'll, anyway, I'll put the links in the, in the show notes. What is an, an app? An app that's on your phone that's helped you with your thrive. 
God. I don't know if I should. Uh, yeah. Okay. So there's this mind mind game that I play. Yes. It's five yeah. minutes a day. And um, I play Elevate. Do you? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up now. And it's it. called, uh, where'd you go? Yeah, MindPal. Oh, MindPal. Okay. Mm-hmm. MindPal. And, and it's just good. And it keeps your score to memory, attention, agility, math, language. Yes. It's very much like Elevate. I love it. it there's gamification. Yeah. You have, it yeah. tells you how many days consecutively you've done it. Yeah, I do that too. Yay. Yeah. High yeah. five on that. High five. <laughs> and then what is one misconception? I love asking you this question. I, I, I can't wait to go back to your first episode, which is also going to be in the show notes. Um, but what is one misconception that people have of you is they see you, you know, mother, professor, you know, podcaster, entrepreneur. Oh boy. But you have it all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like people are like, Oh, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't No, I just think, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it is. It's like, I, I've struggled with perception my entire life and showing up, you know, um, not perfect, but showing up just like polished all the time. And I've just been trying to let that go little by little. Um, it's still a very important value of mine to show up prepared and give everything I can, but be authentic at the same time. And and so I, I I do that. I think I just need to pay a bit more attention to that. I love it. Hang out with me. I'm like, you get me, you get me the way you get me in that moment. And I ain't trying to, Nope, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to be me. I love it. I I love you for that, for sure. I mean, I have my discipline and there's values and, but most of the time I'm just like, yeah, no. Yeah. And you have, you, you teach me that. I mean, even tonight, like these answers are not scripted. You didn't send me. No, 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 I don't do that. Yeah. You're you're good though. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm sharing it like it is. I love it. I love it. So where do we find you Mel? Yeah, you can find me at uh, capacitycreator.com and there's a free assessment that you can take there as well on the capacity piece. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Melanie Sodka, like vodka with an S uh, <laughs> or at capacity creator, LinkedIn as well, Melanie Sodka. Um, so come in. And come your podcast. In, me. Yeah, my podcast, sorry, Hustle Hypocrisy is on Instagram. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's on yeah. Instagram. It has its own Instagram. Yeah, okay. it's, uh, it'll be launched in the next few weeks. Oh, nice. Okay. And, yeah. and shout outs. We did an episode, right? We did. Okay. Yes. And Aditi, you were a guest on there. Yes. I think you were my yes. second or third guest. So, I love yeah. it. I love it. Can't I'll wait. Can't wait. I'll put the link and all that in the show notes. And so, Mel, it's been so awesome. I have one final parting question for you. This podcast is called Empower My Skin. You did that in spades today. Just empower people, empower people. But I really want to know in the skin that you're in, what does it mean to be fully empowered? To be able to be of service, to be able to show up wholeheartedly with the people that you're with um, and to to give and, and to receive and to just connect. I mean, that's one of my big values is, is connection. Um, and gratitude is another one as well. And so when we can connect and we can be grateful for that connection, I think that that there's nothing more that's empowering to me when that happens. And I'm very grateful for this experience and sharing energy with you. And I'm just grateful that you're in my life. (laughs) Likewise, my friend. And so to everyone that's listening, unfortunately, this is where I have to say we're out. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope you are thriving and feeling empowered and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. 
And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilyeu says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome sharing energy with you. It's your girl, and I'm out. <laughs>